The following episode contains language and descriptions of violence and self-harm. It may not be appropriate for all listeners, but it was my life. Discretion is advised. This time I'm going to be a little less needy. Do my best to give instead of being greedy. Take a little time, take it all in. Take a deep breath, do it all again. Take a little drive in my pickup truck. Windows down and the feel good up this time. When you're in the situation we were, man, that's what we thought about was this time. Hey, this time when I, I go home, I want to do this. This time I want to be a better person. This time I want to be a better father, a better husband. This might be your last time this time. So use your this time for every fucking thing that it's worth. Every that. fucking second you have, man, it, make it your this time. That's the way I live my life around that song. I'm your host, Peter Meyerhoff, and you're listening to the Roll Call with Chappie podcast. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, share, and follow us on social media. You can learn more about this episode and my mission at petermeyerhoff.com. All right, drop it. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Uh, another episode of Roll Call with Chappie, and I have an extremely special guest today, country music superstar, Josh Scott. Just won the iHeartRadio contest for Song of the Year. Uh, thank you for being here. Oh, first of all, thanks for having me, dude. I've been watching your show. I've been watching your story, and uh, it's inspiring to to see the comeback. And uh, I, like I said, I watched the episode with you and your mom, your brother. I haven't got a chance to watch Sheriff Lamb yet, but I will. And uh, I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. First of all, dude. So I'm I'm glad that I can be here to be a part of what you got going on. And uh, life's good, man. Life's good. I'm, uh, I'm out here chasing my dreams and uh, uh, taking advantage of every opportunity that comes in front of me and, and not settling, you know, and just, just trying to make up for lost time and, uh, and just do as much as I can every single day with the time I got. I can definitely relate to not missing out for lost time. Um, but I want to get into more of before the country music star. So how was Josh Scott growing up? So growing up, I was, you know, Great family, uh, great everything. Didn't ever need for nothing, you know. I uh, I I uh, played basketball growing up in all sports, so I was really into sports. And basically, you know, I thought I was going to grow up and be in the NBA, which is the kid, you know, you've got big dreams. So uh, I played high school basketball. I got in and played some college ball, and then uh, you know, after you get into a certain level of of uh, playing sports, you realize, man, there's a whole bunch of good dudes around. Really good dudes, you know, like so. Uh, you know, I got into, you know, figuring out that I wasn't going to be in the NBA and my basketball career had to end and then you got to go start real life. And so, uh, you know, life was good, man. Life was, uh, life was good. I went and got a job after college and, uh, lived a normal life and, uh, you know, did car sales and front end manager at Albertsons and, and, uh, you know, just being normal. And then, uh, and then I lost my, uh, I lost my dad to, uh, uh, a wrongful death suit at the VA hospital. Ouch. And uh, that's when uh, I started. I started using drugs, so you know, wow. that turned me on to to uh, to meth. You know, so I started I started using some meth and cocaine uh, to get by, and it flipped my world upside down overnight. And that's what's such a cool mixture because that's kind of what I want to. The message I give here a lot of times too is people have this stereotype in their head of like who uses drugs and who these addicts are, and it's it's normal people, you know, that just deal with bad stuff in their life and then sometimes we don't know how to handle it because we're not well equipped yet you know so we turn to something to numb the pain you know and clearly yours was drugs meth is what ruined my life um how bad did it get and then i want to get into the prison because we both did a chunk of prison time so how long did you use for and how bad did it get before the prison so my dad died when uh in 2005 i think i was 27 years old and you know my dad was my hero my dad 22 year marine corps veteran uh about my height 280 pounds never need him never heard him say i need or want anything never seen him ask for help never seen him with the cold you know just like this my dad man he's my hero and so i never seen him ever in my life ever like need or need help for anything so the day that uh the day that he that he got sick i remember him not being able to get out of bed and he lived next door to me and I was like, wow, this is weird because, you know, my dad's never, ever asked for help. And so I had to help him get out of bed. I got him to the VA, I got him to the, the VA clinic in Casa Grande. And they said immediately, you know, hey, your dad's having uh, kidney failure. He has to have a blood transfusion. He's got pneumonia. Say goodbye. You know, Ouch. say goodbye. So I, they took my dad to the VA hospital in Tucson. And over a seven-day period from him saying, say goodbye, you know, and I said goodbye to my dad. I put my head on his chest and cried. 
uh, you know, I was ready to, you know, try to figure out, you know, my dad's dying and I'm saying goodbye to him. Well, over that span, I seen my dad fight back and he totally beat everything that was happening. And he was scheduled to go home after the seven days. And uh, they, he was going to have to have dialysis the rest of his life, but he was going home. He was going to live. That's where you get it from. That's where you get it from, the fight. So that night was the first night I'd left the hospital. And they called me and they said, hey, you need to get down here right away. Something something went bad. And so they told me my dad died of a heart attack. I just didn't believe it. So make a long story short, they uh, they did a kidney biopsy that night without telling any me or any other family members. And they left him in his room unattended. He oh. slowly bled to death. So they let my dad sit in a room and bleed to death, 3.8 liters of blood. So he died of a hematosis. So uh, wow. uh, I had a long battle with the sue in the United States of America. You For couldn't sure. sue a doctor. You didn't know who killed my dad. And uh, after I did the autopsy at a different hospital, they came out and they admitted guilt. But it like completely just fucked my life up, dude. It like, you know, seeing For the sure. way it happened. And I had a bunch of family members who were telling me, oh, you're just handling your dad's death wrong. You know, the hospital's not at fault. And I was yeah. like, no, man, something is wrong here. Like something is definitely wrong. They, you know, and they thought I was going crazy losing my dad. Yeah. So in that time, there was like a two-week period of time where I was waiting on the results from the autopsy. We are having my dad's service. I started dabbling a little bit. Like, I, for, I, for, I, I really don't even know exactly how it happened, but I know I just started using a little bit of meth. And, dude, it helped. Yeah. Like, it helped. It took all my problems, like, kind of away. It was really strange, you know, and I was like, damn. Uh, you know, so over time, though, you know, like, the meth took over and it made everything in life that was important, unimportant mm -hmm. and all the dumb shit that's not important in life. Really, really important. The people, the places, the things that I was doing, it was all, you know, like looking back on it, it's like, wow, I can't believe like I made that a priority over like the people who really care about me and love me. And for sure. And, and all that mattered was hanging out with a bunch of fucking idiots, man, who, you know we're doing meth but anything to numb the pain and not think about it and yeah, that's what so. people don't realize a lot of times that's what you know that's what i got into drugs for you know to numb pain on stuff because when you're out there getting high you don't realize all the pain you have until you're coming down you're not on drugs anymore and then it hits you and it's 10 times harder you yeah. know but um so did you go like because i would have taken that really really bad and probably went straight off the deep end been mad at the world like did you go completely off the deep end and then how quick did you start getting in trouble uh, yeah, so I went completely off the deep end, and uh, that was 2005, and I started getting in trouble pretty much right away. Instantly, you know? yeah. And so, but with no criminal history, no record, no nothing, you know, like I was able to kind of run amok for a while and kind of get out of it, you know, like, you know, here's some probation, uh, got out, did some probation, but it didn't teach me. And, yeah. Uh, then, you know, here's your first little prison sentence they gave me a year and a half. You know, do I sat in county you. jail, I think, for eight or nine months, and I hit a yard and got released. Yep. That didn't work. And it know? almost works the opposite, because I would say this, and I, I always say I'm thankful that I got 12 years in prison, I was, I did, and I did such hard time, because once you, you always have the thought of, damn, I don't want to go to prison. Once you've been to prison, especially for a year and a half, I would have probably taken that and made me worse, because now I'm not scared of prison. Right. And two, I made a, met a bunch more dudes that are up to no good, right? and I would have probably went out and been even worse. Was right. that your case, or well, what happened that was, after you that got out? That was definitely my case, so I, it didn't de teach me anything. I was like, well, this shit is easy. Nothing, yeah. Like, I'm the, Why are people know, scared of this? Yeah, I, you know, you think the first time you're, like, thinking about walking on a prison yard, and you're so scared. And I was, just like anybody else. You know, you, I remember the I day. Was. I remember the first day you walk out there, and you're in your sandals and a big old jumpsuit. And you're walking on the gate with all these new arrivals and everybody on the yards at the gate looking at you. Everybody's staring at everybody's you. Everybody's staring at you. I just remember Every those days. Every race is staring at you. And you hear all these stories about what happens the first time you get there. And, you know, and I was a kid, you know, I was still yeah. a kid. I was, I mean, I was 27 years old or whatever, but I was a kid, you know. And uh, So, yeah, it was scary. And uh, I remember getting there and wondering what's going to happen, you know. And and uh, first first story, the first time that I went is, I went there and I'd seen some people that uh, I knew from county jail, some people from my hometown, from mm -hmm. Hilo and from Casa Grande. And uh, he was the chief and he was like half native, half black. Then you're out with the blacks. So right when I got there, he was like, hey, Josh, what's up, man? And blah, blah, blah. And this night I was like, oh, it's good to see somebody I know. Yeah. So they had a gym in Winslow where I was at. They had a, a full court gymnasium. I thought that was so cool because I missed playing basketball. And dude gave me a pair of shoes and a pair yeah. of shorts. And I went and balled that night. I was so happy. Well, after that, the white boys came and got at me, and they're like, hey, where'd you get those shoes? 
Where'd you get that? Where'd you get those shorts? <laughs> yeah, that's how I was it works. like, well, my homie gave them to me, and they were like, well, who's your homie? And I pointed them out. He's like, that dude's black. You can't be taking nothing from him. I was like, I'll take stuff. And that's a minimum yard. It's a minimum yard. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I'll take stuff whoever I want to take him from. You didn't offer me nothing. You know, so that first night I'm fighting two little skinheads in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm scrapping the first night because I'm not going to, you know, I'm like, you can tell me who I can borrow a pair of shoes from. Yeah. You know, so I learned the politics really, really fast, really, really quick. And all I did was a dude that I've known forever let me borrow some shoes so I can go hoop. Literally. And, uh, you know, I remember I was in the bathroom and I still didn't have my own shit yet, I don't think. And I was uh, I was brushing my teeth in the bathroom and all of a sudden a couple little skinheads rolled up and they were like, what's up? I was like, what's up? They're like, hey, you know, you messed up, right? I was like, fuck, man, I've been here like 20 minutes. I haven't even got to chow yet. Yeah, yeah. I haven't even got to eat yet. I don't even know the rules yet. Yeah, I don't even know the rules <laughs> yet, you know? And they're like, well, you got to, you know, you got to scrap over what you did. I was like, let's go. You know, yeah. that was my introduction to prison. So. I scrapped a couple of dudes afterwards. They're like, you know, all the love in the world because I scrapped, two scrapped dudes, my yeah. ass off with these two little youngsters, and I was a youngster. So, yeah. you know, we went all over that bathroom, and you know, I'm not going to stop. I didn't stop. You know, I didn't lose. I don't think I won. You yeah. know, but uh, I was scrapping with those dudes until you know they made a stop because it got so loud in there. We knocked down the bath part of the door to the bathroom, and For and sure. afterwards they were like, "Hey, you got heart, man. We yeah. love you. What's up? You know, like." Here's what you can and can't do. And I don't think I ever apologized for borrowing yeah. shoes from somebody, and I still won't. You know, like, absolutely. Uh, I'm not a racist person. Uh, prison will make you racist a little bit. Or you, know? you even have to play the role of being racist, you know? Right. So, you know, there's like, uh, you know, like the first time that, that was my first introduction. And, and so, you know, basically, you just, you got to adapt to your environment. And absolutely. That was my learning lesson. Okay. So when you get out after that sentence, what, what's next? Back to drugs. Back to drugs. And how long are you out this time? Because me, when I was using drugs, like, I always share this. Like, the second I start using, I mean, it's probably a week or two, and I'm locked up for something. You know, yeah. like, I. So, I think I, I lasted, like, a, a year and a half. And then kind of what did it was the music, you know. So, I started doing music again. Like, or not again, but for the first time. Like after I, prison? Yeah. Okay. So, that's when I got into music. Yeah, like I want to hear this. 2010, 2011. And, uh. I went out with my wife and we did some karaoke and I thought it was dumb. You know, I, I, like, I don't story. want to go see karaoke and she's, come on, let's go sing karaoke. So I went with her sing karaoke. And then that night the bar asked me to host karaoke, like on the weekends for a couple hundred bucks on the weekend. They said, dude, you sing so great. Let's get you hosting karaoke. So I started doing that. And then, so I started hosting karaoke like every night as a job, six or seven nights a week. And I was making a lot of money doing it. And then that turned into a full band. And then, so the full band turned into Las Vegas turned into like having to stay at the golden nugget you know wow. i was making thousand dollars a night and what a horrible place to be if you have a drug addiction oh for sure and somebody giving you a thousand dollars a night three nights a week you know to and, and a stay at the golden nugget i was living inside the golden nugget oh that's uh, a recipe for, for my disaster. room uh you know with drugs comes gambling with gambling comes women with the whole thing was horrible was it's all a, a big package of I, was, I was being a horrible father a horrible man and you know i was up there thinking i was a rock star because people were coming out to watch me sing country music man and i had a record deal and uh i had like basically everything that you could ask for again but you know like uh usually by the time my next show came around that following wednesday i was dead ass broke i never had yeah i either had 40 or fifty thousand dollars in my pocket from winning a bunch of money gambling or i was dead ass broke and 95% of the time I was dead ass broke and I was committing felonies trying to survive until my show came around again on Wednesday. So people were seeing this Josh Scott guy singing country music and they had no idea what I was doing from After Saturday show. to Wednesday to like, I was in the, some of the horrible plates off. Like I wasn't on the strip. Like I was like off in East Las Vegas, like, you know, where the gangsters are. Yeah. And I'm out there committing felonies, man, surviving, trying to like, you know, and like had no idea that you would see this dude over here on these three days, like what he what he was doing, the other four days. So I I was living a double life, man, and and uh, and uh, it just like I said, the, the the drug addiction is just so powerful that it just it'll make you do stupid shit, man. And double life is never fun, you know. I had that same problem. I was always putting on this front that I was this nice guy, or my parents had money growing up, and it was it was always a front, you know. I always say this is the first time I've ever like been true to myself. Yeah. And, I'm not trying to overcompensate. I'm just, I'm who I am now. And you could, ex- you could accept me or not accept me. Right. Um, so you developed your like real singing passion during your next prison sentence. Is I that what know. I heard? I, I think I developed 
before this prison sentence, but this prison sentence that I got the next time, you know, it was a chunk, you know. So it was six and a half years, and then uh, right towards the end of that sentence, they page twoed me. Right before my release date on my birthday, April 26th, my and brother. And page two, just for everybody that doesn't know, is page two, which means you're already locked up and then they bring up another old case on you. Yeah, from seven years. They have seven years to do it. Yep. So, and they waited the full, Maricopa County waited the full seven years. Uh, April 26th, uh, they, they came and they said, hey, Scott, you know, roll up. You, What do you mean roll up? I'm getting ready to go home in six months. No, you got a page two in Maricopa County. So I just lost my brother, Scotty, my older brother, to an overdose on heroin. Ouch. Uh, April, April 3rd. He died, and then on April 26th, I got page two, getting ready to go home. So uh, I had to go fight another case, man, in Maricopa County, and I got it down to four years, so it gave me like another two years in prison. So okay. the, the six and a half, which, you know, I should have done like five years on, turned into, you know. Eight or nine years. Eight or nine years, yeah, so wow. about eight and a half years. And uh, it made me bitter, man. It made me just hate everything. So, you know, while I was in there, I just uh, I spent a lot of time in, in the hole. I started at a two-yard, and, you know, I got, got released from – a maximum custody yard, you know, similar. Same here. So, uh, you know, I started, started, you know, where you can go out every day, walk around, play softball, volleyball, you know, card room all day long to, uh, you know, to where, you know, you're in your cell most of the day. And, and what uh, a difference in a world because prison, I, and I always share this, like, because I don't even consider people that just did time on minimum yards that they did prison time because right. it's it's literally they camp, like, half the yards you could escape every day if you wanted to because you're not dumb enough to escape. Like, there's, when you go up to the, a lot of three yards, even the four yards, five yards, it's it's a different world there, you know? Yeah. And you have to, like, man up and grow up real quick. Real quick. Yeah, and, you're, you're with uh, dudes who are in there for, for just killing everybody. You know, mm-hmm. but, and they don't care. And they don't care. You know, but the crazy thing about that too is, man, some of the most solid dudes I've ever met were just straight killers. Straight up. And that sounds really horrible to say, but like you get them, you know, and, and a lot of the dudes that are in there for murder and doing stupid shit, they were on meth when they did it. Yeah. And then you meet them in there, man, and you think, like, I'm worried about this. I was, I was, you know, I was celled up with the, with a dude who was doing life and, He's one of the coolest cats man I ever yeah. met. And I uh, said a lot of the yards I was on, I would say 70, 75% of the yard wasn't coming home. Or if they were, it was at least another 20 plus years, you know? Yeah. Like, and those dudes were like, those are like the dudes, the best dudes that do time. Yeah. With. Some of the guys and people don't even know this. Like a lot of guys in there will, the killers that we're talking about, no joke. Like they don't want to fight. Even if they're tough, they'll just rather stab you just because they don't even want, they're just too lazy. They're like, I'm not, I don't even fight one anymore. If I have a problem with them, I'm just going to stab them. You know, it's so much easier for me. And you're just like. And those are the dudes you're spending every day with. And those are the guys that are molding our brains when they're in there, you know, which is so hard. That's why it's so tough to reverse the thinking when you get out. Clearly why the recidivism rate is so high. Did you do anything positive? Because I was sure about this. I did 12 years straight and I did nothing positive my entire prison sentence. The only reason I was able to stay out of prison is because luckily I went to the whole solitary confinement for my last like eight months or so. So I could get my mind right. You know, did you do anything positive or was it just. No, I think uh, I was in a, you know, I, I think I'm a natural born leader. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I was able to do a lot of positive stuff. I was able to help a lot of people uh, on the different yards that I was at. And, man, we were able to, like, feed the whole yard. And cool. I was able to do some positive stuff that, that I'm proud of and help a lot of people. And uh, I see a lot of people now that I've known in there reach out to me and tell me thank you for the little things, you know, because, uh, you know, up until the point where I got to page two and I got really, really bitter, uh then that's when I got in a little bit of trouble, you know. That's when I that's when I came back and got in some trouble, went to a four yard. Uh but towards the end of my sentence, uh an officer uh, SSU sergeant Duhan, who just actually came to my last show, you think you met him. Like mm-hmm. he was at the yeah. he, he was at our event. He was And we gotta tell everybody if they don't know the SSU sergeant, those are like the detectives in there. So it's like yeah. you got the police officers and then the detectives. The SSU is like what gets everybody for gang activity. They're like right. the detectives in there for everybody that doesn't know. So they they come looking for you every day and they're trying to basically ruin your life and this dude Duhan, man, he uh he was a cool, just straight up, normal human being who treated me with respect, treated me right, asked me about my situation, what was going on. I explained it to him. He seen the path that I was going down, and he was he helped me, you know. So he helped me get off of the four yard. He got me to a three yard. They had a band room. Got me a job in the band room. So I was able just to like check out band equipment every day. Oh, there you uh, go. Dudes would come in and like you know I'd check out the band equipment. I would sit in there and I would just write. I'd write music, man, and had a guy play the guitar. Another officer, actually, CO3 Timmerman, who actually was my boss in the band room, he's a, he had a band on the street, so he would come in, man, and play guitar to my songs. Oh, that's and cool. We'd make music, man. So we're making music for, uh, like, the last six or eight months uh, before I came home. And so I got really, like, the last six or eight months, man, I, I spent, like, just writing music in a band room. And, you know, like, I got my creativity with music back up and my passion for music, like, 
really got me through that last year or so where, you know, I was doing extra time and missing stuff that I know I should have been home for, which is my son's senior year of graduation, his senior year of football, all those extra, all that little bit of extra time that I got. I I missed some really, really crucial points in my family's life. And it was tough, man. It was tough to swallow. I, uh, I, uh, I dealt with a lot of guilt and a lot of pain. You know, I was supposed to be home for my son's graduation. I was supposed to see him play a senior year of football. Uh, so I missed every Friday night lights with my son. Uh, I missed a lot, man. But uh, like I said, uh, I'm not proud of my past, but I'm also not ashamed of it. Yeah. You know, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And I don't know if people listen, if that'll make sense to you or not. For sure. I'm, I'm not proud of it, but I'm I'm not ashamed of it because it's it's molded me into the individual that I am today, which I'm really proud of that person. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that just don't realize what you have and like how every day every little thing that this person might take for granted i will never do again and it makes me want to like cry thinking about like all the things normal people take for granted because like i get up every morning and look at my daughter or, you know my cup of coffee my wife brings me uh being able to sit here with you man and and uh thank goosebumps right now you know like just the just the normal stuff that that uh they got taken away from me because of the mistakes that I made. Uh, I'm so grateful for them today that, that that I don't know if a lot of people will get it, but they don't get it, man. You know, you do, and uh, so it's special. Like life's special now, and I, I just try to I try to take uh try to take advantage of every day, and I try to help as many people as I can. The fundraisers that I do, and people on the side of the road, man. If it's a dude asking for a dollar, if it's mm-hmm. a fundraiser, or a family that I could help, like I see. People like one of my buddies got in a car crash and his his uh, fiance died and I donated one of my shows to him. We raised like four grand for yeah, him that night. That. So like I'm just about like just trying to do positive shit and it's not for a front. It's not because yeah. I want people to you know I didn't post none of that saying that I did that. Uh, you know I I don't do it for that man. I do it because I have a platform now to where God gave me a, a second chance and he gave me a, a he gave me an angle to be able to to do some good and. Uh, that's all I want to do is good stuff, man. That's Absolutely, it. and I want to I I want to relate to that because we always talk about what you're just talking about. There, and I always say gratitude is the biggest key to life, you know. So, um, I want to bring up another cool story. So, I get involved with this nonprofit organization. Uh, it's called the Prep Program out in LA that I just got back from yesterday. Yeah. Sister Mary, she's a famous, just an angel, and she gets these dudes that were all doing life sentences. 90% of them from crimes that they committed when they were kids. The black dude, man, first steak he has eaten. In- forever you you bought it for him right yeah That's and good um, stuff, man. it's just uh you know when you get out of yourself and you can actually help people and we can use our screwed up messages and then there's what's crazy is i went there to try and help them and so i want to rewind a little bit so i, I met them a, a month and a half ago and i went there and i get out of the car and i see this og the second i pull up we're south central la and dudes you know we can tell dudes that did a lot of prison time i'd heard these guys did some prison time there so i was excited to meet them you know and um i get out of the car and i say what's up og this big og black dude was like what's up man just taking this trash out enjoying this fresh air and i was like enjoying the fresh air i mean if you could find gratitude just in breathing fresh air you know but the the rest of the public doesn't know that you know right so and i was so moved by this place and come to find out all these guys in there were doing one dude did 33 years another guy 43 straight 42 44 years straight and i'm like I've never been in a room where I'm the short timer, you know? And I was so moved. And these guys had one set of clothes, didn't even have a cell phone. And I went back just, uh, I got back yesterday and I drove an entire truckload of clothes down that everybody helped me donate. I donated my stuff. And I wanted to take these guys just to dinner to, for one, I told them I'm there for as much as them as they're there for me. You know, like I needed gratitude in my life. And the the higher my gratitude level is, the better off I'm going to be and the more success I'm going to have and the more people I'm going to be able to help. So I went back and um, just to show you how selfless this guy is, man, and just that anybody can learn from this. He knew I went back there just to bring him clothes and take him to dinner. And I get there and I asked Sister Mary to call him because he wasn't there. And he says he's sorry, but he's going to have to pass on dinner because he goes to a meeting with some youngsters every Wednesday night that he helps out. And he walks 2.2 miles to this meeting in a suit because he likes wearing dress clothes. And... I literally hunted him down, man. I told Sister Mary, I was like, if you even know kind of where this is, I'm driving now. Because I'm like, I'm not going to do this trip without taking this guy to dinner, you know. And I show up over there, and we wait outside for him to get done. And and uh, I see him, and he orders a, uh, we take him to Black Angus. 
And he didn't even get a steak. Everybody else got steaks there. I took five of these guys that were lifers to dinner, you know, didn't even know how to order, didn't know how to read a menu. And he orders cheesy breadsticks as an appetizer for, for a meal. And he gets it and you, no joke, cuts it up like it's a prison meal, you know, and starts eating with a fork. And then he tells me, Peter, you got to try this. You got to try this. And I'm like, dude, I get those every time I go out to eat as an appetizer. I take two bites. I don't even think anything more of it, you yeah. know? And then I was just like, but the fact that he was going to miss out on like the one chance he was going to have to have a dinner paid for when, and who knows when he's going to have that opportunity again, just because he wants to help people. And then I talked to him, I was like, are you like in recovery? He goes, nah. And this is how he talks, no joke. And I'm, he's like, nah, I just noticed that I, I talked to a lot of youngsters, man. And a lot of these kids, they like what I say and just try to be a positive message for the world. You know, there's a lot of screwed up people out here. So he goes, I just try to be positive. So he was going to walk. 2.2 miles there, 2.2 miles back, give up his time when he's not even in recovery just to try and help people miss out on dinner. And I'm like, and you think the stuff that we bitch about, it just puts your whole life into perspective. Yeah. So they gave me a painting and it says on the very bottom of this painting that they wrote that from a lifer and it said, I am now writing this and I'm on the 25th year of a life sentence without parole. And it's a picture of stars and stuff. And he says, uh, I, wish, I wish everybody listening to this could even get the true feelings or thoughts behind this, you know, because you can relate to this when you're looking out those cell windows or something, you know, you're not getting out. And you're, even when you do get wrecked, you never get out of wreck at night. So you never see the stars. And I could just put myself right in there and just being in that miserable, lonely cell of his. And he just wanted to help and just try to pass a positive message. He's like, just take a walk, uh, get out, enjoy the stars, you know? And if you could find gratitude and error, it's just like, there's so much we can learn from these people in the world, you know? And it's like the greatest, most humbling experience of my life. And I told them all that I'd like thank them. And we cried the entire two days, you know? And I'm like, I've been out of prison six and a half years and I feel like these dudes are 60 days out and they did 40 plus years and I'm learning from them, you know? And yeah. it's just like, but if you can pass the message, just be grateful and gratitude, you can go so far in life, you know? Well, look what you're doing, man. You drove to LA to get these dudes clothes, man. Like, you know what I mean? And so, and like, you know, you guys are finding, you guys are helping each other you know you're going down there to help them but you found out that, that they're helping me they're more help, than that they're helping you more than you're helping them and everybody needs help man like it's it's hard to it's hard to come out here and do it alone right everybody needs help you know so if everybody would just like you know not you know like the song that i that i have this time you know which yeah. was the it was my first release and it's you know it's up over a few million streams i've had so many people reach out to me and from so many different walks of life and tell him, tell me how that song hit them. And the last verse, you know, before I go into the chorus, it's like, you know, I say, you know, this time I'm going to be a little less needy. Do my best to give instead of being greedy. Take a little time, take it all in, take a deep breath, do it all again. You know, I think one of the lines in this, in the song is take a little drive in my pickup truck, windows down and the feel good up this time, you know, this time. And that's, you know, when you're, when you're in the situation we were, man, that's what we thought about was this time. Hey, this time when I, I go home, I want to do this. This time I want to be a better person. This time I want to be a better father, a better husband. And that's where the song This Time came. And, uh, you know, it's my most popular song. It's, it's my anthem. And, uh, you know, it's just, just basically just what you said, you know, like, hey, man, this time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive to L.A. and give these dudes clothes and these dudes are just like man this time i just i want to look up at the stars and i want to enjoy them and i want to enjoy the fresh air this time you know and just like the end of the song you know this might be your last time for sure you know and it's a true story man this might be your last time this time so use your this time for every fucking thing that it's worth I love every that. fucking second you have man you, it, make it your this time live every day and, like it's your last and you know and so that's like that's the way i live my life around that song and uh i've had some you know some 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 pretty a couple of big name artists that wanted to cut that song and i said no you know it's my song and uh you know my it, it's not for anybody that song's not for anybody else to sing you know and although that bottle one i heard song of the year like this time is that's a song and uh means more yeah and i and that, everything you said right now it kind of takes me to you know to, to this time and this interview right here and you know today what are we going to do after this and like who, who are you going to go help after this and that's a beautiful thing about the life that i think both of us are living is every morning when you wake up this time might be a different thing you know like we're not on a set schedule you had your 
career you were doing as far as, you know, with selling cars and you're making a good living. Uh, but you know, you knew what you were going to do every day. You were going to get up and work out and you were going to go try to make a shit ton of money and sell as many cars as you could and bankroll as much money. But you weren't, you weren't, that wasn't giving you gratitude. Anything. That wasn't giving you any kind of, you know, any kind of good feeling in your life. So you dropped it all, which I admire, you know, and I was driving a dump truck, man. And, and, uh, I was, you know, we were living paycheck to paycheck, but I was happy, you know, I was happy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somehow by the grace of God, like I, I went through several interviews to become a high school basketball coach. I coached my daughter's high school basketball team. And, uh, what a miracle that is. That's a miracle in itself. You know, to be a janitor at a school would be hard after yeah. you know, the things that I've been through, but I, I'm a high school basketball coach, man. I get a, I get a paycheck. Yeah. Cause a janitor. And I, I want to ask you about that too. Like, so I, I always share that I aspired like my, my top of the benchmark. If I did everything I said and I was a success story for what I shot for when I got out of prison, I shot to make minimum wage, probably doing construction, and somehow stay sober, but be boring as hell and have a boring life and hang out with a bunch of old, boring people. That was like literally what I aspired to do. Yeah. But if, you, if you're grateful for just being free, you can find gratitude in that, you know? Yeah. So did you, the second you got out, you were you mentioned you're driving a dump truck. I want to get into how you transitioned to that to the country scene because we have a lot of similarities there too. Because the more I, I wanted to make money. Once I made a little bit of money, I was happy. And then like the more money I made, the more empty I felt because I was yeah. like, I'm not doing anything for anybody else. So I wasn't making a lot of money driving a dump truck, you know. But I had a, had a job immediately when I came home. I had some people who uh, who cared about me and wanted to make sure that I had employment. And so uh, I, I immediately started uh, going to work for a landscaping company. I was driving a dump truck for my buddy Mark Pass and. Uh, I was making some, I was making decent money. Hell yeah, I was making you know I was making twenty some bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. I uh, I got my CDL. I was happy, man, and uh, you know I started getting really involved with my daughter's basketball. She was a sophomore. I got home for her full soft or her uh, her full junior season. Uh, for, for no, her full sophomore season, and then last year her junior season. Uh, the athletic director seen how involved I was with the girls. I was taking all the girls after practice. We were going to LA Fitness. I was working them all. And he said, "Hey, man. He's like, you're you're getting these girls are improving, and like what you're doing. You're like, would you like to get involved?" I said, "Well, here's my situation, man. Like, you know, like here it is." And he was like, "Oh shit, you know." <laughs> so, but he he believed in me. So we went through, you know, uh, we went through H and R and public resources and principals and mm -hmm. people in the school board and uh, you know, like not just that school, but all kinds of crazy shit for sure. And they told me, man, yeah, here's the keys. Here's the keys to the school. Here's the keys to the school, man. We trust you with these girls." Uh, go coach them up, you know. And so I've I've been so blessed to be able to coach my daughter and be on the sideline and be in the locker room. And uh, we just started practice on Monday, and I'm so excited about the season and getting her into college and being a part of that, you know, being able to be a part of that with my daughter, like being able to stand on the sideline, coach her, watch her when she's happy, happy, joyful buckets, and then be there to hold her when she misses a shot at the end of a game or turns the ball over or see her cry you know god what, a spe what how special is that that i'm able to do that god has given me that opportunity and the whole time i was in prison like i prayed every night i never missed a day i never missed a, a day of prayer ever like i'm not super into pushing god on people mm -hmm. and i don't go to church you know i, I don't read the bible a lot you know yeah. uh but I pray every day, multiple times a day, and I'll never miss a prayer at night. And all I asked for in there was, you know, I prayed that God would just take care of my family. He would bless everybody. I prayed for everybody in prison that was in my situation. I prayed for everybody that was coming and going. Uh, and just I asked God, take care of my family. Just give me one more opportunity to go out there and be a good man. That's it. Give me a chance. Just give me a chance. And what I learned about God in there is you get these people that, get in really bad situations and they think God's going to work this miracle and get them out of now it. Now they need him. That shit don't work. Yeah. You know? God's not going to get you out of it, but he'll get you through it. For sure. Right? And he got me through it. And he gave me that opportunity. And I still hit my knees every night and thank God and still say, hey, take care of my family. I never prayed for myself ever. Didn't pray for my health or my safety. Just take care of, you know, because that's our worst fear in there. Our worst fear is losing somebody that we love and being completely helpless to help them. Right, because we're helpless in there. Mm -hmm. If they're doing bad on bills, or gro there's no groceries in the house, or you know somebody's sick, they got a cold. The, the, the most horrible feeling in the world is to be in there and not be able to help your loved helpless. ones. That's and so my biggest fear was like, don't let my one of my kids die or my wife die or 
you know, just give me a chance to go out there and be a man again. And God's done that for me, man. So yeah, like I'm coaching my daughter's high school basketball team and, and, uh, I've got iHeartRadio song of the year. I'm a country music artist. I just, I just hosted Carrie Lake's campaign who's running for governor and she comes to my events. Uh, you know, Ray Herndon, who's Nashville hall of fame, who's written seven number ones. And, and, uh, you know, he co-wrote all my music. So I've played with my heroes, Mark Chestnut, Tracy Lawrence, Montgomery Gentry, Lainey Wilson. You know, I've, I've been on the tickets with all these heroes of mine and I've done this all in a year. I was gonna say, tell them how long you've been out because I've I've only, you know, two years because coming up, my two year anniversary is here in a few days, but I've attacked the music thing just the last year. And it happened because we were having dinner one night and, uh, my daughter and my and my sister in law and my brother were having dinner at Texas Roadhouse and they say, "Hey, dude, are you gonna just like drive a dump truck or are you gonna <laughs> these songs you have are good?" After a year, because my family was still like a year, just like, "Dude, keep doing whatever yeah, you're doing, just don't go back." And we were just, dude, that's how it happened. So we were eating dinner one night, at Texas Roadhouse in Chandler, eating dinner. My daughter says, "Hey, Dad, I me and my friends sing your songs all the time. Like, come on, I'm 16 years old and telling you your songs are good. Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna drive a jump truck? You're gonna see if your songs are any good?" That very second, I get on my phone. I Google where Ray Herndon's at. I never met Ray Herndon, but if you're a country music fan and you're from Arizona, he's Arizona's local legend, right? This guy is McBride in the Ride, 1996 CMA Artist of the Year. I Googled where he's at. He owns Handlebar Jays in Scottsdale, and he was playing that night. I went directly from there to Handlebar J. I tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, Hey, Mr. Herndon, my name is Josh Scott. Uh... I think I've got some good songs. Would you listen to them? Wow. And he said, would you get up on on stage and sing with me tonight? I said, what? So you got your one shot. Yeah. So he had me up on stage that night. I sang four or five old classic country songs with him. Two weeks later, I'm recording an album with Ray Herndon, and I quit my job and put every penny that I had into my music. My brother and sister sold their boat for 10 grand, and I oh, dropped man. every cent I had into into music. And, uh, and now I'm... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm what I think uh, I'm a pretty successful country music artist with just a year in. Oh, it's unbelievable. And uh, I think that the stuff that I've done is a lot of hard work for me, a lot of really truth in my lyrics. I'm making real country music again, I think, which is a breath of fresh air for a lot for of people. Sure. Uh, I'm just trying to kick down any door. Uh, if I have legal. a legal, if I have a idea yeah, legally, yeah, that's what I told that's you. That's what you told day, me. Right? I was like kicking down doors. I was legally. like, what a cool staying. He's you like, know? yeah, you repost my stuff and you're like, keep kicking doors down the legal way. And I was yeah. just like, this is so cool even thinking of it yeah. like that. So, you know, like I just, every day, if I have an idea in my head, I, I attack it. Like I woke up uh, one morning and I seen what Carrie Lake was doing in Arizona and how she quit her job, you know, on the news because she didn't want to lie to the public anymore. And I was moved by that. So, I reached out to her team. I was like, hey, if I can ever be any, like, music at your event or, like, help out in any way, like, I'm down. I was like, I think what you're doing is badass, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she quit her job because they were telling her to lie to us. And she's like, I'm not doing it no more. I'm just not doing it. Now she's I, now she's going to be our governor. And, uh, and now she's doing events with me, you know? And, like, I just went and hosted her event. Like, so... Uh, anything is possible. Like, right? There's no limitations on what you can do because you've been to prison. Literally none. The people that have limitations are the people that put the limitations on themselves. You've proved that. I've proved that. Our boy DJ Cruz. Yes. That dude was in prison for 10 years, and now he works for the Department of Corrections. He wears a badge. He's in a, I went to Chipotle with him the other day, bro. He gets a cop discount. Yeah. Literally, he gets like a, he's police a police officer. officer. Discount of yeah. Like, so, like, if you tell me, I mean, listen, I'm all about helping you, right? And I, I'm not, and I'm not, I don't want to just help people who've been to prison. I just want to help anybody who needs help, For right? For sure. But the people who get out of prison, and, and listen, I'm not hating on these dudes, you know what I mean? But a lot of people that, that I've ran across are, oh, poor fucking me. I've been to prison. I can't get a job. My felonies hang over my head. I might as well just go fucking break the law and do drugs again. Well, that's on you, man. You're a fucking idiot. Because there is absolutely no limitations, and if you use that, you're just making excuses on why you don't want to work your ass off and go get it done. You For know, sure. go get it done, man. Like, go get it done. That's and all that's you- how I was my first year out. You know, I, I I said I couldn't get a job. I couldn't do this. I have too many prison tattoos. I don't. Why would I fill an application? I've never had a job before. You know, I was thirty years old. But it's about like you just got to get that one person to take the chance on you. And I would say your moment was that Ray Herndon thing. So you could either yeah. You get your one chance, you want to do it, do you take your shot, which is what you did, and look what it turns into. But people are just scared to take the next step out here. Everybody's so complacent. That's what I feel like us from prison have an advantage on with the rest of the world. And this is why I feel like we can help so many people that haven't been to prison because you learn so much about mental strength in there. And then you learn so much about gratitude because 
when you lose everything, you have grateful, you yeah, know, gratefulness in small things. Just you know, what just we like just breathing about, fresh like air. All, you know, all those little things that seem maybe just just no, unimportant to most people is to, to you and I are they're gigantic. And I mean, your stuff is taken off now too, and it's crazy when you think about. So now you're coaching high school. Yeah, coach my girls, coach my high school basketball team. Super proud of that. With a t- when you did a tenure prison sentence, I did 12 years. I'm actually going to go back and speak to the high school that I didn't even graduate from. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to go start speaking there. And I didn't even pass the ninth grade in my high school. And you talk about having uh, keys to the high school. that I have keys to the church, yeah. which was right next to the one that, were, that I robbed before when I was yeah. a kid, you know. So yeah. you can literally do anything you want as long as you make the change. And- I, never, I never robbed a school for the record, but you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> did a lot of bad stuff that I was not yeah. proud of. I got was not a good person as a kid for sure. <laughs> um, but it's just proof that you could literally do and I'm not, I'm not joking, and it sounds cliche, anything in the world yeah. you want to. And I always said last week when I was with Sheriff Lamb, if you want to shoot to be the sheriff and you get out of jail, be the sheriff. You can. Well, that's one thing you can run for is like not have and not matter about your you you know, have a felony. People can vote for you, and it don't matter what your what your record is. So if you, you go, you know, you can go be mayor or governor or sheriff or any of that shit. So Absolutely. That, yeah, that's the one. That's the one avenue you can take. With like, do you have any felonies on your record? Doesn't matter because the people are voting me in. Yeah. So who knows what's in store? Like, really, who knows, man? Like, and uh, like, I'm not really into the to the uh, politics per se. I just I believe in in I believe in like being a good person and and. You know, I want, I want like, and we talked about it earlier before we came on, like, you know, like when you transition from prison to the real world, man, you want it to be as easy as possible. These dudes can't afford fucking five dollar gas, and you know, cost of living is fucking four thousand dollars a month to live and eat, and you know, who can do that when you come home? Yeah. So they need guys like you helping them. They need For places sure. to go. They need clothes. They need all this. So everything that you're providing, dude, is like needed by these people. And some of these people who are going out and breaking the law. And, you know, I, I also like, I get it too sometimes because mm-hmm. it is hard to come out here if you don't have anybody and make it because everything's so expensive. Which know? is what I'm starting to do all this now. And that's what like my end goal is to do. That. I want to have like a safe haven for people that get out of prison that don't have any other resources. You know, right. I was lucky enough. I got, I have an awesome family and I right. had some help when I got Great out. Great family you got to go to. And for same sure. Same with me. My Absolutely. wife stuck by me the whole time. Uh, I had a, a home to go to, a loving family, a place to lay my head at night. Not everybody has that. And you get these... You know, I've I visited some of my friends in these halfway houses. Oh. These halfway houses are just places to go do drugs. Literally. Like, you got a curfew. Be home by 10 so you can get high with all these dudes that are here. I'm as tough as it gets to. And I went and spoke last week at one. And, like, it's literally a, uh, yeah, sober living house. And They're there was, horrible. There was bro. a meeting there. Bro. I was like, I went out to my truck twice to make sure it was locked. I was like, yeah. I'm, like, watching, looking over my back. And I'm like, dude, where? it felt like a prison yard out here. You know, I'm like, dude, you just feel bad for him, you know, but. Yeah, you want to get back into drugs, dude? You need to find some? Go to a halfway house. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, we're not too. allowed. <laughs> yeah, go there. Yeah, just, and that's probably bad advice for people. Yeah, but if you're looking for some, you want to, you know, you want to break your sobriety streak, go to a halfway house where they're yeah, supposed seriously. to be helping people. And I think a lot of those halfway houses, dude, they're just in it because they get that paycheck from the government. They're not really there to help nobody. Yeah. Those people are in it for the paycheck, dude. And those people are fucking scumbags. That's what it is. Most Love of those them. halfway houses. So, yeah, I think in the future, like, like I've got these things with the C4 Foundation and St. Jude's Hospital that I work with now uh, that, you know, part of part of the some of the stuff that I do goes to the proceeds of that. I would love to like, you know, and I think, like I said, you can do anything. I would love to have like a halfway house for people that provides jobs that's actually clean, that is ran by somebody like you or I that like, you know, it's, what it that, is. that it's going to help a dude. And these people aren't going to like, you know, like feel uncomfortable. Like it's not going to be some fucking lame. That's there, you know, like some dude who's there to work and like, you know, tell you what you can and can't do. No one wants to hear that shit coming home. Yeah. We didn't want to hear it for the whole time we we're in there. You don't want to be told what to do. You just want somebody who's going to help you and have your back. Right. Right or wrong. And, yeah. like, you know, you can count on them. So I think I think more of that needs to be done. Just, just basically what you're doing, dude, is it's it's about it's like if we if we had more people doing what you're doing. Uh, the transition would be easier, and I think a lot more people would succeed. So, you know, well, that's that's definitely the plan in the future. Yeah. So, just hats off to you, bro. Like for real, so on, on all the all the stuff that you're doing, I think it's just going to grow. And the more people that you meet, and these all the people that you're meeting, if all those people would get behind it, and we could like build a Start big, a big huge circle, uh, you know, a movement of just people that want to help, you know, because there's there's so many people out there with shit tons of money that you just you know they're looking for something to do with it. Put it in something like that, dude, where you're actually changing someone's life for the better. Absolutely. You're giving somebody a chance to go out and have a life, you know. If you think about doing that with your money, if you think about instead of putting it in the stock market or putting this to make a few dollars, if you've got so much money and we can meet these people 
think about putting it in a foundation where you're actually giving somebody a chance at life. For sure. Right? Instead of going back and sitting in a box the rest of their life. So, you know, those are the kind of things I want to get involved in. And people that don't know, it's, it's uh, how much that can help you too. So I, when I came back from LA, like, I, if, if you've never helped anybody or done something not for yourself, like, go try it one time and I promise you, you won't regret it and you'll want to do it more. You know, like, I came back and, like, uh, right when I got home and I saw Hannah, I was, like, cry- and literally, I was, like, bawling my eyes out and I just, like, hugged her and I was, like, apologizing to her. And I was, like, I'm sorry I haven't been better. I'm sorry I've been losing my temper. I'm, like, because the second I can see these guys that had no freedom and no chance of life again ever and they find gratitude and breathing fresh air and stuff like it, it just changes you for life you know so i went there to help them they helped me more than i could ever thought anybody could help me you know yeah and she's like what do you mean i was just like i've learned so much from these guys and it's just insane and you too like i i've been out six and a half years now and i feel like i made some money but i'm i'm behind the eight ball like i gotta learn from you guys you know like i can't believe you've only been out two years you know and these guys and i'm like so i said sorry to her and i was like i promise i'm gonna be a better man you know like every day i'm gonna be better you know and i'm gonna put that painting up that they gave me right above my bed so that the second i wake up and that's what I'm, my boy bradley just told me last week when i was there and he told me that like live on air when we were filming his show he's uh he asked if i had any advice and i said my number one thing would be gratitude of course and he's like well, when do you get your gratitude going i was like well i got my you know morning routine i do a meeting i do the gym and like once i'm get done with that then i'm like got my gratitude he's like i got a better idea he's like why don't you wake up first thing in the morning and the second you wake up you say thank god i have today yeah and i'm I, like and I, and I and that's that's a, and i do that all day long and i'll tell you something cool too you're the so you're the first person that i've really dug in deep with my my past right i haven't i haven't i haven't hid from it but it's not something that I go and just volunteer. I let everybody, any, anytime I get into any kind of relationship with anybody, I, I make them aware right up front that, hey, listen, I've got a past, right? I've got some things that I've done, that it's mistakes that I've made that, uh, that, that are there. If you want to know more about them, ask me, I'll tell you the truth. If, you let, if, if you're okay with the man that I am right now moving forward, business, whatever it is we're doing, then uh, let's move forward. But I, I don't lie to anybody. I don't ever try to be something that I'm not. Uh, if I don't have to dive into it, I don't. Uh, a friend of ours that, that I just introduced you to that you, I think you fell in love with immediately is the Barclays, right? Matt and Brandy Barclay. Oh. So I was on her show the other day. And, uh, you know, and she told me, she's like, Josh, she said, dude, don't hide from your past. She's like, what you have is beautiful. She says, what you've done is so moving and so inspiring, the comeback that you've made in two years, like what you've done with your life. She's like, don't ever hide from it. Don't ever try to like reserve it because I've got some people in my life that maybe have want to manage how much I say about you know sure. what I've done and 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 I haven't done like uh, anything horrible anyways. Like my crimes aren't horrible crimes; they're white collar crimes. For sure. I was out getting money and figuring out a way to stay high. For sure. So I never hurt nobody. I never kicked no doors in. I never like robbed nobody. I got nothing dangerous on my on my record. That's why I'm there allowing me to coach a school. But you know, Brandy said to me the other day, she's like, Josh, she's like, your story is beautiful. And Brandy's, you know, she's all about God and she's all about the comeback and her and Matt are amazing people. Like, I love them. I, I've, I fell in love with that, 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 that the two of them. And uh, she said, I, there's nothing for you to hide. I think she's like, I think your story is powerful. It moves people. It'll help so many people to see how, what you've been able to do in two years, you know? And so, uh, I, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, she opened my eyes to that and made it easier to come talk to you today about, about some of the stuff that, uh, that I've been through. And, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, if I can do what I've done, man, I mean, any, anybody can, I'm just a dumb old redneck dude. Yeah. Like I'm not like, you know, I'm a, I'm a just, I'm a just a country boy who, uh, you know, like when I wasn't on drugs, I'm the best friend you could ever have. I'll love you. With everything I got, if if you're in my circle, man, and you're my friend, I'll, I'll do anything for you, and you can count on me. And that's one thing moving forward now is like, you know, my word is so important, even if it's like minuscule. Like if Seriously. I tell you like, hey, I'm going to do this on Tuesday. If I can't do it, man, I'm going to call you and tell you I can't do it. I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure anything I say to anybody now I'm going to follow through on. Mm-hmm. That's more important to me than anything. I want you to know you can count on me. I think that's huge, right? Yeah. I just want anybody to know that's around me. You can count on me. I am going to do what I tell you I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, so that's important to me. Like I said, little things. Just the little things, man, that I value now. And uh, hopefully all the, the, you know, the money. And don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I support my family now. My wife's quit her job because of the vaccine mandates and the mask mandates. She had a job for 23 years that 
she supported our family with. She quit her job now, wow. so I support our family with my music and and my career. So yeah, I want to make money and I want to be successful, but I want to do it the right way. Absolutely, I want it to be. I want it to be like you know. I want it to, to feel right, and I want it to. I want God to be involved, and I want the people that I care about to be involved. And uh, when you know, when you go listen to my songs, I want it to mean something to you, and like I want you to know that when you go listen to to the songs that I that I wrote, you know, they're real. You know, they're real, and every every lyric in there, uh, even to like some of the fun ones, you know, they're yeah. all real lyrics. And the stuff that I'm about to release is, uh, I think, going to even be even better than these first five that people have heard. Like the next. The next batch of songs is is going to be even more special because now I've I've written about some stuff that's happened over the last couple of years, you know, and okay, some cool. of the changes that I've made now and what's going on in the world today. You know, uh, I got a song called "That's Life" that's coming out that that uh, I think is going to be really special. So, uh, yeah, and I like I said, man, I think the money will come, the success will come. I don't care about no fame, like mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't care about no fame. Uh, I I want my family to be proud of me. Uh, I want my wife to know that she has a husband that she can count on. I want my kids to look at me and say, my dad came home and he took care of us and he's a man I want to be like, mm-hmm. you know? And before this, I wasn't a man my son wanted to be like. Yeah, I wasn't a, I wasn't a, a father my baby girl can say, that's my daddy, mm-hmm. you know? I wasn't that dude. And uh, that's sad because uh, what I've learned also in life is that, you know, you, you can uh, – you can mend just about any relationship with your parents or, you know, my mom died while I was in prison. My brother died. I lost my dad prior to that. But you can mend relationships with friends and family. Uh, but what I've learned is that, you know, you've got one chance to be a good father. You don't get any redos. No no reruns on being a good dad. For sure. I ruined that, you know. Like, so you don't get no retries on, on being a father. And I uh, I messed that up pretty good. So So now, like... I, I want to do this for them, you know, and I want them to not have to care about anything. If they need anything moving forward in life, I can provide it for them. So uh, that's what I hope my music does. It takes care of my family. And uh, in 10 years from now, my kids can be really, really proud of the man that I've become. Yeah. And uh, they'll forget all about the prison stuff, you know, in time. So. And that's what we're doing. And that's why I feel like I have a, I have a service to all this stuff I'm giving back. Because I'm, I'm giving back for all the bad shit I did, you know, and all the shit I stole for years and all the bad people, all the bad things I did to people, you know. So... I feel like we do have a duty just to give back. And as long as we give back every day, all that stuff will be forgiven in our past, you know? And what's cooler besides helping people? I mean, you know, every time I get a DM or something, they say, Hey, listen to your podcast. I saw your show on vice. And like, I'm so inspired. I have this and that, you know, people are want to be so open about it. And like, it's, it's kind of surreal, but how good of a feeling is to know that we're now inspiring people, you know, and these we're inspiring people that never went to prison. Like, how is that? You know? And I'm like inspiring, like my friends that went to college and, just had like some mediocre job but we're just pushing through life you know and then they see what guys like me and you can do like fresh out of prison and then they're like holy shit i can do so much more in life but they didn't think they could because they put themselves in a fucking box you yeah. know and they think that since they went to college and got this job that they're just stuck there and staying there and i'm like i i don't understand that thinking you know like even brad lee said he goes who do, who do you get advice from you know and i was just like to be honest brad like nobody really i mean i try to call a couple of my like successful friends now or like entrepreneurs or something but i was like for the most part i learned watching yours and andy Fasella's stories ed Milets, all those guys because when i made it out of prison you know i made i made some money real quick and like with it the second i started working i blew past all my friends you know that were out here and went to college and stuff so like yeah. i can't take advice from them i'm past them like why would i take advice from someone that's behind me in life you know so i just had to mirror and mimic what brad lee's and all those guys are doing i just try to show up and if anybody asks me to do something i'm there you know i got another thing tonight i'm going to helping some kids and it's all about how many people you can help and like my biggest thing is just like you the money will all come in the end i want to leave a legacy to know that i changed the world yeah and that i righted all the wrongs from all the bad shit i did you know and to me there's there's no greater fulfillment from that you know we're both on that same path right now yeah man i want i want my kids to be listening to my song one of my songs long after i'm gone and my grandkids and uh, you know, hopefully a hundred years from now, somebody's still listening to this time. And they're like, damn, that's a cool message. You know? They'll say so much stuff. Then it'll be the end of like, oh, and then did you know that guy actually went to prison too? Because yeah. they won't even talk about that. Yeah. All they'll talk about and all the positive that's, stuff. You know, it's important. Did. And like, it's cool too. Like, uh, you know, you, you went to one of my shows the other night and I was able to get a kid who's in the ROTC, who's actually serving our country, who wants to be a country music artist. I got him up to open for me. And then you've seen the 12 year old girl who loves music. She follows me and become a fan. I got her up to sing some songs, you know? And so... That's what it's about, man. It's about like, you know, if Ray Herndon wouldn't have, you know, gave me a chance that day, I'd probably still be driving a dump truck and I'd be happy with that, you know, but he's, he opened some doors for me to now I can, 
I can help other people. You know, Mark Chestnut, man. Mark fucking Chestnut, you know, called me up on stage to sing I'll Think of Something with him, you know. And him and I are, I won't call us friends now, but, you know, I got his number. He probably would. Yeah, you know, we're we're acquaintances, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, the shit that's happened is just like, dude, it's fairy tale type shit. Yeah. Like, I believe it's like a movie type shit, you know. It's like, and not everybody knows the full story. I don't go telling it to them, you know. Like, but the full story is fucking crazy and that's god's work dude yeah that's, that's god's work it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work on my end it's a lot of a lot of people believing in you it's a lot of people having your back but at the end of the day dude it's it's us it's it's you know it's us getting up and going and making it happen and uh i believe anything you want to do it's out there for you mm-hmm, it, is. it is i believe it's all out there for anybody it's just you got to go figure it out you know and it might not be overnight you know mine's been fairly quick for sure. You know, quicker than, you know, probably anybody else ever in the whole world. World, literally. But, um, and you turned down a couple of big gigs too, or if not, you'd be like astronomically big in a year. Like, yeah, dude, one of the I, fastest I, I, ever. I turned down some, some huge shit because I don't want to get vaccinated. So I don't believe in the vaccination. I don't believe it's for me. And I'm not saying it's not for you. Yeah. If it's for you, go get it. I'm with that. If you think that vaccination is going to help you and your family and it's going to protect you, then go get it. Yeah, all my family got vaccinated. I didn't. I don't care. Yeah, you know, for me, it's not for me. I think I've had it already. I think I got through it. Uh, I think, you know, you asked me about the vaccination, not to get into it too much, but basically it's just like, if you get this vaccination, can you still get COVID? Yes. Can you still pass it? Yes. Can you still die? Yes. Can that shot itself kill you maybe? Yeah, it can. So for me, it doesn't make any sense. When my time comes, right. my time and comes. I'm 43 years old. I'm healthy. You know, I've got, you know, a million burpees under my belt. I think I can, I, I think I'm okay with the vaccine. I'm not getting the vaccine. Uh, but it's free. If, if it's for you, go get it. Absolutely. But don't force me to take it and take something away that I've earned because I won't get it. And that's what they've done to me. Yeah. You know, I could have sang the national anthem at the Cardinals game on Christmas Day, national TV in front of millions of viewers. Right. That was on the table for me. Yeah. If you get vaccinated, I won't do it. You know, I just won't do it. I heart music awards. You know, I, I, I earned that. I earned the right to go sing at the I heart music awards on national television in front of 2 million viewers there too on in Vegas. But in Vegas, guess what you got to go do to go do that. You got to get vaccinated. I don't believe in it. And everything I've ever told anybody about my songs and the things that I believe in, I'd be a sellout to go take those paychecks to, uh, to sing a song, you know, so I'm going to keep singing my songs and, sing them until the right situation comes along and it will and you're not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know do something i don't believe in for a couple paychecks although those paychecks would come in really really handy in my situation right now for sure but i'm a, I'm a firm believer too that like with, as long as you're true to who who you are as a person which clearly you are you know the, the big stuff's just going to keep coming and that's all that's going to do is build more to your to your brand or your value that you are true you know and you didn't fold for money you know and yeah how much cool it would be so say hypothetically we'll just use your situation as an example like say within five years from now if you just took all the money and went for that fame you could be worth 10 million dollars in five years but you're not helping anybody and you're just a shitty person but you're worth a ton of money yeah. you know like all those there's plenty of those people half out of there. those fake people out there in the world you know or you could do your path and maybe say in five years are worth a million bucks but you've helped a ton of people on the way you're coaching your kids still you have nothing but good relationships and the entire way you're inspiring people and helping people how much more fulfilling of a life is that because uh you know just like i said money is, doesn't make you happy you know like but the more money i made the more empty i felt you know what i mean the the more gratitude i get and the more gratefulness i get in purpose in life is the more i help people you know and it's just like because well, it I, takes you out of yourself when you're I, helping someone you don't think of what you're going through yourself i agree with that but to be uh but just keeping it 100 percent real yeah, cash flow is important for sure Cash flow is important. Yeah. So, I mean, to do what you're doing and to be able to drive to Vegas and be able to do these shows, cash flow is important. So money, it doesn't make you happy. But in order for you to keep making other people happy and doing what you love to do, you're going to have to have some cash flow. Well, that's so what we said. You having have. cash flow is like, for me, I'm not going to say it doesn't make me happy because uh, I like, I mean, I enjoy having money. Yeah. And I enjoy, uh, you know, but, but it just shows you also that I turned down two huge paychecks uh, that I need right now in my life, you know, uh, in, the, in, in the early stages of my career that I'm in. I turned them down, but uh, and I think for you too. I think as long as you got cash flow, man, and you've got enough money to put gas in your truck and to pay your bills and take care of your family, as long as you're helping people, I think you know, like whether you got ten thousand in the bank or, or ten million, as long as you're able to do what you're doing today, I think that's I think that's 
I think you're good, right? Yeah, and as long as I still have enough money to go help people, because that was the trip yeah. I paid for by myself, you know. And like Black and I, Angus, yeah. Hey, Black Angus, where you at? We'll call <laughs> Choppy. Give us yeah. some gift cards. Seriously, give some I, gift cards, Black Angus, and go feed some people. Seriously, and I haven't, and I still haven't made a dollar in six months. But as long as I have enough money to pay my mortgage and yeah. have my bills, like I know what's going to come. Like whoever, something. This whole mission that's way, way and, bigger than me. And is gonna I think write the my sponsorships paycheck. will come, and that's crazy right there, Black Angus. But. Do why not? Yeah. Hey, Black Angus, give us a thousand dollars worth of gift cards, and just we'll go feed people and we'll record it. Seriously, like that's how easy it is. You've got let's give us some gift cards, right? Yeah, and let me and let me and Chappie go just feed some people, with help them. people, send us some Black Angus gift cards, and that's how Black Angus will start building a legacy. You know, it's like right. it's, it's it's literally what it's about. Let's it's start a legacy, doing that, feeding people, man, and putting it on the show, like just grabbing people who are hungry. Like how sad is that, man? For somebody to be hungry, like it's a sad, it's fucking sad. Like, and there are people out there, man, that are hungry. Let's feed them. You know, how simple is that? I do. I, I try to, like, people on the side of the roads, and I hope sometimes that, like, hey, check it out, man. If you're going to go get drunk with my money, cool. At least I got you drunk tonight. I'm also okay with that. Mm-hmm. You want to get drunk and forget about your problems tonight, man, here's that. But I hope you go eat. And, dude, I, I can't tell you how much money me and my wife spend and my daughter, like, just giving money away on the side of the streets. And we don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, dude, I tell you what, if I, I hear all these, like, athletes and movie stars crying about, helping this person and the, the this and this bullshit. Dude, you go help them then. Yeah. You've got million, you're, you're worth million. Like, yeah. dude, I, I could get into some of these professional athletes and shit, dude, who are worth so much money, who are crying about all the different, dude, just go give some of your money away. Yeah. You've got plenty. Dude, if I had $10 million, you know how many people I would help with that? Oh. Like, tons, dude. And there's so many people that need the help. And so I get pissed off about some of that because all these People who got it made are crying about shit all the time, and they don't fucking know nothing about struggle. Yeah, let me nothing. tell you two real quick stories. Of going back to that uh, OG that I was out with in LA, just to show you like how much we can all learn from this stuff. So he he even made a hypothetical analogy, and he said, because I was like telling him how he didn't care about anything. So I went out there to bring him all those clothes, right? And at the very end, he doesn't even take the clothes, you know. And then he tells me he has all the stuff at Goodwill, and he just wants to help people. And he's like, and he makes a comment. He goes, if I if I want a million dollars tomorrow, he goes. I probably just give it all to Sister Mary. I'm like, what? Who thinks that? I mean, this dude's 60 days out, you know, but it's like when you get out of self and just help people, it's like, how selfish are we out here? You know, I mean, I'm like, there's so many things that this public can learn from these from these people, and I, which is why I think that Sister Mary Foundation is like the greatest thing I've ever witnessed and been a part of and anybody that wants to look it up google it it is insane you're going to come back with me one of these next times i have concert, to bring you there man. let's do it let's I do told a concert him i want to do a concert with you i was going to try to do a concert it. and get some of these other foundations that uh that i'm teamed up with uh you know uh, get them all together and we'll do a you know we can do a big big fundraiser for for a bunch of different people maybe my maybe mark chestnut will get involved we can get him on the ticket and you know, Carrie. Carrie is like one of the best human beings alive Carrie mm-hmm. lake i'm telling you if you if, if you listen to this thing man and you just want to vote somebody that's just got a big old heart, dude. That she she'll show up, dude, just so we can raise just, money for that foundation. Just use the name. And yeah, I mean she's. I mean, so there's people. Let's do a concert, man. Let's do a concert and do some music and let's throw all the money at Sister Mary. I mean, that's I'm I'm down for that. For I sure. love it. And it gives me an opportunity to go to California for a Absolutely, bit. for sure. I don't want to live there, but I'll visit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And every time I'm there, I, I'm heading back. I'm like, why did I go there again? You yeah. know, but you have to. And all you Californians, yeah, go ahead and stay where you're at, too. <laughs> yeah. Arizona's closed. We're building a border I'm yeah. at Blythe. Yeah, at Blythe, yeah. <laughs> Colorado River. Yeah. I'll swim any, across if you want to come. Yeah, so any, I, I want to say, do you have any typical, like, last advice you could give to people? Because a lot of people do look up to you, you know, as a person you are from, either, even if it's not from the prison, just the fact that you're a country music star up and coming. I mean, what's a... What's well, that a, right there in, in itself is like, you know, I, I, I go sometimes and, like, I sign autographs and, like, I do some of this stuff and, like, you know, I hosted a Carrie Lake event and, like, I don't see it, though. I don't feel like a star. I don't feel like anybody. I, I don't know if I ever will. And I don't, I think that's a, you know, I, it's, I still run around sometimes people notice me or know who I am in some random ass places. Uh, you know, I had a senator the other night who came up and told me, he's like, dude, my mom has been blowing up my phone the whole night because you're here. No way. Yeah, Senator Josh something, Josh something. Anyways, he comes up to me after the event. He's like, dude, he's like, I didn't know who you were before tonight. He's like, but my mom's texted me seven times because she loves your music. So I don't think I'm a star. And, uh, I, and I don't think I'll ever be one. Uh, I just, I sing country music, man. I write and sing country music. And uh, along the way, if, if, if I can get the world listening to my music, uh, that's my goal. And uh, if, if I could, uh, 
you know, take care of my family, be a good husband, be a good good father, be be a be somebody that somebody wants to be like, and just people know that my heart's in the right place and that uh and that I'm a man of God. Uh, that's enough for me, man. So I'd say my advice is just chase your dreams with uh, throw caution to the wind. Give it everything you got. Don't have a backup plan. And that's probably yeah. maybe bad advice, but don't have one. Don't have a backup plan. Go all in for what you love because you don't know when your time's up. And you don't want to leave any what-ifs at the table. If it doesn't work, figure something else out. But just just throw it, throw caution to the wind, man. Dive in and, and you know, and, and love life and, and try to live try to live it to your fullest. That's, like the burning the bridges saying. That's what Andy Fasol says. He goes, You fucking your plan B is fucking losing and there's no plan B. You yeah, know, that's, I, I, I don't have a backup plan. I don't I still don't have one. I still get scared sometimes thinking you know, if it doesn't work, even though it's working, I still have these things in my head. What if it falls off? What am I I don't have a backup plan and, and uh I think the best plan in life when you're doing something is to not have a backup plan. Because mm-hmm. if you if you have something to fall back on, it's easier. You're never going to put all chasing. of it into the one thing. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, yeah, don't have a backup plan and just fucking chase it like, you know, like today's your last day on earth. And that's what I, and that's what I use a lot of here, too, is like the days I want to get laser, I want to sleep in. You know, I just try to remember, put myself right back to those times I was in that cell. And I would just like look out those bars and I would just be think, what would I give to be out of here to I could do something? You know, I could mow the lawn like. And yeah. that's the thing you'd find gratitude mowing the lawn when you're in there, you know. And then a lot of people get out here and they Raking forget your dirt, anything. Don't walk on it either. Don't <laughs> yeah, walk literally. on these lines. Absolutely. So that's what helps me get through. When I want to be lazy, I just try to put myself right back to that time because <laughs> don't walk on these lines. That's... Puts it into real perspective for you too. So, yeah. um, thank you for being here, dude. You are the man. A lot uh, of people can learn a lot from you. I am, uh, like I said, honored to consider you a true friend now yeah. you know and um yeah. I, I love you. you i love you bro i love you man you're my, you're my friend and and i'm proud of you and uh like i said man i, I think that i think that what you're doing is uh is is about as good as a, a, a human heart can do and and I, if i i won't lie either in the very beginning i was like what the fuck is this dude and what's his what's his deal what's his angle you know because i'm cautious of people in mm-hmm. the beginning and I, I and i'll be honest with you i thought that in the beginning like what's this, what's this dude's angle like he's like almost being you know, too fucking awesome. <laughs> I love that. And I was, dude. I was like, and like, even Brandy had asked me, she's like, what's up with Peter? I was like, eh, I think he's a great guy. I still don't, you know, like, I'm still, because you're doing so many great things. Uh, but over time now, I know, dude, your heart is just, it's in the right spot. And uh, and, I, and I'm proud to call you a friend. So, dude, that means the world here. Yeah. That, you know, I, 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 I look up great. to Brandy a lot too. So, yeah. that, I mean, that, yeah. so I, means, I think it's great, man. Just keep pushing. For sure. Awesome. I love you, buddy. Thank you for being here. And I will have you back. Once, uh, yeah, love you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave us some feedback. We would love to know what you think. You can find everything discussed in this episode and more in our show notes below or petermyroff.com. I am Peter Myroff, and you've been listening to the Roll Call with Chappie podcast.